Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Neom Ray Show. My name is Thomas Dam, and during the Dutch Design Week, I hosted the first Neom Ray Show live at Mu Artspace in Eindhoven with my guests, graphic designers Stephanie Specht, Hansje van Haarlem, Simone Trom, Loes van Esch, and Kali Nikitas. We talked for a live audience about what it's like to run a graphic design studio these days, the influence of social media on their practice, about public speaking, and much more. Photos of the evening you can see on neomaree.com slash podcast. And before we jump in the recording of the evening, I want to share with you that you can support the show by leaving a review on iTunes or become a monthly supporter on patreon.com. Via Patreon, you can support the show financially so I can keep making these episodes and can, for example, hire a sound designer. You will get all kinds of nice things in return, like, for example, be the first to know about shows, get mentioned in the show, or get tickets to design conferences. So that's patreon.com slash thomasdam for your support. And now, without any further ado, here's the show. Hi, everybody. Wow, I'm really surprised that everybody showed up. Um, my name is Thomas, and I'm um, the host for tonight. I run a website called Neo Marais, and it's a curated website of design conferences around the world. And um, tonight here at MU, thank you for having us. Um, I'm going to talk with the ladies here uh, about um, graphic design about running a studio and um, being present on social media and um, speaking publicly. And I'm going to introduce um, my guest uh, and um, ask them a question. And later on, we have a, a conversation about graphic design. Um, so here's um, the first person is um, Stephanie Spert. She's a freelance graphic designer from Antwerp. And um, she traveled uh, and worked all over the world, from Cape Town to Brussels to Princeton to New York, and now in Antwerp, right? And uh, next to um, all the time she uh, puts in client work, she also puts a lot of time in personal projects um, with monthly illustrations and collaboration with other uh, creatives. And um, Stephanie, I want to ask you first question, what is graphic design for you? (laughs) That is like the most difficult question to answer. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay, Uh, yeah, okay. Um, I think it's, uh, for me, it's about um, being impulsive, uh, intuitive, and if it's for clients in the first place, it's, yeah, communication. Mm -hmm. But if it's for myself, it's about uh, expression. Uh, That it's, it's a tool for me to, yeah, express and yeah, what I feel, what I think. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. We're going to talk about that later. Yeah. Um, next to that is Hansje van Haarlem. And um, Hansje van Haarlem is uh, known for her distinctive um, typography and um, geometric, geometric, geometric style. <laughs> yeah. With um, psychedelic illustrations built on complex uh, patterns. And uh, Hansje is... Um, uh, the lead designer of Lowlands, and uh, she just won the Dutch Design Award in the field of um, communication. Congratulations. So everybody give a big applause to Hansje. And um, Hansje, for you, maybe also um, like in, 
complicated question, no. Um, how important is graphic design for you in your life? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, that much important that if I would not be a graphic designer, I would have a really nice hobby right. of making birthday books and um, binding all my emails into nice catalogs and uh, I'm sure I, I've, I've been doing this uh, ever since I was a kid not mm -hmm. knowing that it could be graphic design mm -hmm. and I would probably s do it so right. it is an urge right yeah. nice um, let me see um, next to that there is um, uh, Simone Trump and um, Luz van Esch they are together Team Thursday and um, they work together since 2010 and they mainly work for cultural clients. And next to that, they teach at the graphic design department in Arnhem at the uh, Arts, Arts? I don't ever know. Artes. Artes, ah, okay. And um, they host uh, irregularly uh, exhibitions in their studio and organize all kinds of other things in their studio. And um, what I wanted to know is, um, um, how brought graphic design you together? Like that oh. you started your working together. How graphic design brought us together? Yeah, it was a very romantic story actually. Now, uh, we were, actually we, we studied together also in Arnhem uh, and we graduated in 2008. But uh, we, I think we did one or two times we did a project together in school and it really didn't work out. So we thought like, yeah, we are friends and that's it, and it's Let's nice. keep it at that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But then uh, after one year, uh, after graduation, we joined, we both joined uh, summer school in, um, that was organized by the Werkplaats Typografie mm -hmm. in Italy. And that was a really nice time. It was a really great time because in the meantime, we were doing different stuff. Like uh, I was, I, I had a job in graphic design and you were traveling and doing some freelance different things. And then uh, in that summer school, actually we both were working on projects and we, yeah, that merged together in a way. We really talked a lot about mm -hmm. graphic design and what we wanted to do and how we thought about it. Right. And um, that's when we d decided like, okay, we can maybe uh, try to work together. And we had this long phase of uh, like a trial phase, mm -hmm. like half a year or a year or so, yeah. like one, one day a week. And Italy helped. Yeah, Italy was Italy was the trigger, like, ah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, next to um, Luz is um, Kali Niketas. She's the uh, chair of communication uh, uh, communication arts and founding chair of the Master of Graphic Design at Otis College in Los Angeles, and um, she is a curator of um, moments, that's what at least your Instagram account uh, says. And um, the funny thing is that um, Kali um, curated the Typo Berlin Talent um, event, and three of the uh, five guests are here. And Hansje was on the main stage, uh, was also speaking there. And um, Kali, I wanted to ask you, um, um, what has changed for you in graphic design over the like, last years? Yeah. Um, when really simply I 
understood graphic design in a very traditional way. I was taught in a very traditional way. And I've come to believe for myself I have a very different interpretation of my role in the world with graphic design. And so I, although I like making things on occasion, I consider myself more of a facilitator. So basically, since I'm doing it, I figure that's something others can do. So therefore, uh, yeah, the, the definite, yeah, that's how I. Okay. From uh, print to life. So, but you started as a graphic designer yeah. and then you developed yeah. your role as a curator. Yeah, because I went from being a graphic designer um, and then I went from being an administrator where the design experience was uh, the designing of people and circumstances, mm -hmm. which then led me to a different kind of practice personally. And plus, I wanted something more than words and pictures on paper. Right. For me. Yeah, yeah. more experience. Driven. You're yeah. still there. It's worse than pictures on paper. Yeah, because you're so you're good at it, and it's great. And so now I want to just make see if I can help people do more of that or bring mm -hmm. them together. Cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Throw a party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Stephanie, can you uh, describe your um, graphic style, or is that complicated? You get the most difficult questions. Oh, no, I can also ask them, uh, because then people get to know, like, uh, understand more. They can also see it on the screens, but can you describe um, a little bit um, uh, what's your style? Um, I think it's minimal, um, I, but, yeah, I play with illustration when, when I can. Um, it's, again, it's two sides, like the... The, the jobs for clients, I think, is, is minimal but bold. Mm -hmm. And the illustrations I make for myself, like, I try to um, be a bit more crazy, but it's still very, um, uh, how do you say, controlled. Mm -hmm. Controlled chaos. Right. Yes, that's it. Controlled chaos. Yeah. yeah. And you, Hansje? Are you also controlled chaos? Well, uh, I'm not minimal. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I'm more maximal. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know how... I, the thing is that um, the style is something that uh, is not really a compliment. It's something that no. um, that I try to break out of. Right. And um, that's really a problem because if I make something that doesn't look like the work I make, I, I start to work on it more and more until I like it and mm -hmm. then it fits to my other work. So the style is really something that locks you within mm -hmm. a certain thing. Yeah. Um, so style is like a, a threat in a right. way, um, but I do have like elements or themes that I, I'm obsessed with and I cannot uh, live without, mm -hmm. and um, that's lines. I'm afraid. So there's a lot of line work, and what I try to do with material is uh, by using lines and color, uh, I try to make something which is more than just ink and paper, or what is more than um, the material itself. So I, I like texture and surface or the illusion of texture and surface. I think that's um, how I would define it. Yeah. Okay, so um, do you have a specific weight that you like in, the li in your lines? Well, I grew from very thin lines to yeah. um, thicker lines. <laughs> 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 so now they're, well... Bolder. <laughs> more bold. <Yeah. laughs> Ultra thin to bold, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, Stephanie... Uh, no, sorry. Um, uh, Simona, um, 
Do you think, um, like with the studio, do you have a graphic style and do you think that it's uh, important for you as a studio to have a um, known visual style? Um. I don't know if it's important for the studio. Yeah. I think, yeah, we also don't really use the word style, but we more think of a kind of toolbox that we have with all these kind of kind of tools or ways we like to work in it. Um, but of course there are some elements that are coming back, like a kind of typography or like kind of morphing typography into something, something else um, and a kind of attention for an action that can be in a certain in the, in every design um, so I don't really care if it's important for the studio no, but we have moments that we say to each other or we are we um, most of the time we have long like long sketch processes mm -hmm. like most of the time and then we can say to each other like hmm, yeah but this doesn't really feel like it's uh, ours still and then, indeed, it's like what you said. It's also more about a certain approach, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there is always this moment that you feel like, yeah, this is really us. But it also, it's nice if it always feels a little bit new, also in a way. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I wouldn't like it if people. But sometimes we have people like potential commissioners asking us to do a certain thing because they like another certain thing. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also a bit afraid that that will happen all of the time. And then right. you're kind of stuck into this kind of way of making in that maybe method that I wouldn't really like, so. Mm -hmm. But do you then have a certain process in designing because you are running a studio together? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we do. We usually start off really together, so also in the end we never, we never really know who made what, although we know what we're both good at and that, that mm -hmm. are both really different things. So I think usually, uh, I mean, in general, I'm more kind of starting the whole process, and you're kind of more finishing it, right? That's that's sometimes what we what we kind yeah, of I say. Guess, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But that's we just in, in like how it look, uh, how that looks like in reality. We just start by just th thinking of things and kind of writing down things or making things really loose sketches, and then we. If we're working on a visual identity or something like that, we divide some different uh, uh, kind of roots, and then we work them out always together. And then when it's more focused onto a certain design or a mm -hmm. certain towards the more the end, then yeah. someone, one okay. of us works it out. Yeah. So it's really like ping-ponging, more like ping-ponging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I know. Yeah, is it still? I Is it still? Yeah. Mm, and um, you all have uh, personal projects or side projects. Um, and how do how do the, these projects um, influence your your client work? Heinze or Stephanie? Maybe Stephanie. Sorry, say the question again. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that you have like a lot of personal projects, like mm -hmm. you do a monthly illustration mm -hmm. uh, project. And um, how does this? influence your client work? Um, actually, a lot, because for, for me, one can go without the other, because the, the illustrations that I work on are either, how do you say, like preliminary studies for, mm -hmm. a, for a job, or 
so it's like a, like I, I bought a new typeface and I want to try it out before I actually use it in the the project and then I make an illustration with it and I play around with it so I I, I feel it um, or it is um, stuff that I created along the way during a project and that I use in a in an illustration for myself mm -hmm. so I think yeah that they're they, they come together at one point mm -hmm. and I try to always uh, show to the client if something happened so uh, right you show yeah. your process yes yeah, and yeah, yeah what yeah. not really was for the client yeah ah, okay and sometimes I like to share stuff with a client in a in a different way also like when I'm while I'm working on it mm -hmm. like I video I make a video of my screen like while I'm doing something and then I send it and like it almost like a teaser ah. <laughs> instead of like a professional email like yeah, yeah. first round but that's only with clients that I really know well so yeah oh, that's clever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can use that too um, <laughs> wow um, Kali you um, traveled the past weeks through Europe um, visiting all kinds of design studios um, mostly led by women uh, or no Okay, then not. But You're some. just. But it some. depended on the, uh, the country. That right. seemed funny enough, but I seem to only visit uh, in Stockholm. The yeah. studios I visited were primarily women, and in Athens, primarily men. And oh, I don't know why, okay. but that's okay. what, yeah, right. happened. It wasn't intentional. Oh, uh, uh, okay. And um, I, what I was wondering is, what do they, they, these studios, have in common? And maybe you can. Um, tell also how they relate to um, the other women in the panel. Uh, so Maybe can, it's a bit I'm too just big, gonna, but just... No, well, I'll just take a minute and explain really quickly that part of my... There's a really strong connection between my world as an academic administrator, which is I run a program, an undergrad and a grad, and my studio practice. And basically what I try to do is I meet as many people as possible and I see where they can plug into either the school or opportunities outside. So all that to say, whenever I do these studio visits and in the course of the conversation, and although I look at the work, I'm really more interested in who, what kind of thinking they have, how, how they are as people, are they um, interested in alternative kinds of activity, do I imagine them working uh, with students well or at a conference, and so all of the cities that I visited, and I did studio visits in four different cities, I had really successful meetings with studios for a couple reasons. It's really refreshing, I think, to have a conversation with somebody from another country, and I have been luckily welcomed warmly by everybody. And so um, I have met people I hope to bring. I, I uh, found the fact that I've never been to Stockholm or Athens incredibly uh, inspiring. Uh, I don't know how many people have spent time in those cities, but I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and so I think that uh, because we're living in a global village these days, I can't really say that there is a distinctive thing happening in each city. Um, I definitely got a different sense in each city, but the practice, the kind of work these people were doing, they were similar. Um, some were doing big clients, you know, had big clients, some had cultural clients, some had alternative self-driven work, very much like the people who are on the, on the panel. Mm -hmm. Okay, and did, um, so you picked them really carefully where you 
go yeah. before you uh, plan your trip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you already made a little bridge mm -hmm. to the next subject. Um, and we're going to talk about um, the influence of uh, social media for you all in your work. Um, so in uh, 2010, actually in October 2010, so that's uh, eight years ago, uh, Instagram was launched. And uh, during dinner we discovered all kinds of things um, about how we use Instagram. And um, I was wondering for all, can you tell um, when you start using the platform? and how you use it because i've seen them seen you use it differently like for promoting work but also for uh, personal stuff so i was wondering how you how you see this platform and also um, that was really funny when we had a organi when we organized this evening they i asked them on which platforms you are because for sharing and stuff and they said oh no we are only on instagram and uh, Hans is only on Twitter, and for the rest is like maybe one or two on Facebook, but for the rest it's only Instagram. So, um, so Hans, maybe you can start. Yeah. Well, I'd like to start a little bit earlier. Okay. Uh, when I was in, uh, I studied from 1998 to 2003. At that time, no graphic designer had a website, um, and my website for the first couple of years was only said, "I like printed matter, please contact me," and no, no design. Um, I think the second step was, well, I, I got a website and then uh, blogging was in, so I had a blog and um, I had made a lot of sketches. So mm -hmm. I, I decided to make a website, a portfolio website and a blog website. And on the blog website, I would put all my uh, process work or failures or experiments. Uh, that got me a lot of uh, assignments. Um, not the portfolio website, but the sketches. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, Facebook came, and it was in a time when I started my home gallery, and I needed to make promotion for the gallery, and I thought, hmm, this Facebook, well, maybe, maybe I can use it. So I used Facebook to promote my, uh, the exhibitions I organized, um, but also started publishing uh, sketches, and that got me commissions. And I think for me, the difference between Facebook and Instagram is not that big. Uh, less text, more image, which for me is only good. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's it's super nice that uh, it's easy for people to get in touch with me. So I get uh, questions or compliments or people uh, not understanding my work or whatever. So that's super nice. But it's also a way to publish. And for me, that's very powerful um, because I have an image, which is not a project yet. And I, I post it online uh, and people just want to have it mm -hmm. or um, commission me for a project just of a single image that becomes uh, super nice. So for me, it's very powerful because I just sit by myself behind the computer in my own fake world. And it's super <laughs> nice that I have this portal to the real world right. where everybody has the same fakeness. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's social Can media Can I jump in and say something about this shift from Facebook to Instagram? Mm. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I've been off uh, Facebook for many years. And one of the things that I noticed is that the spirit of Facebook was not nearly as generous and positive and optimistic mm. as Instagram. Mm. I think that the, for some reason the format facilitates a lot, um, yeah, a more generous spirit. And, and it's actually why I really like it. Yeah. And um, probably because you're limited um, in some way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's for us to. Um, but we, we don't, yeah, we're on Instagram. I also, yeah, we were also talking about it during dinner that 
now Instagram got different owners or the owners quit or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, and there, there are these talks about how Instagram can really change. And I think for many people that would be a problem. So I don't, don't really like to be this dependent on this kind of platform. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, we also use it to keep it. We, we spend some time in South Korea. We use it really a lot to keep touch with, to keep in touch with the, those people we met mm -hmm. there. Um, and I really like to make Instagram stories, but that doesn't doesn't have really any purpose. But I just. Uh, but they are hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you if you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the Instagram stories by Team Thursday, but uh, they're not um, design related. But they do uh, show a certain attitude, a certain um, fear on the world, yeah. curiosity. Uh, and uh, what you're very good at is make super normal things look special mm -hmm. on on your story. So I think it's more powerful than than you think. And you with the zooming, because you like when you you film something and then you zoom in on a very specific thing, and then you're always like, what? There's always humor. There's yeah. always humor. So right. I think it has uh, has to do a lot. It's a good way. I think it's a very clever way of of presenting yourself because that's the attitude you have that's the, the way you look at life and I think that's super nice and attractive uh, but do you guys feel that when you meet people who know you on Instagram only that they actually feel that they now know you because yeah. I, I think that what is an example of what you do and all of you do is you create friendships I mean that's very loose I understand but you create relationships with the public and the mm. public you've made yourself accessible to them. Mm. So if you, if somebody comes up to you and says, you know, I'm following you on Instagram and I feel that I know you and, and, and I think that it's this really nice breaking down of what could be a wall. It's this level of accessibility, which I think makes, I don't talk to a lot of other disciplines in this way. I don't know if philosophers are doing this or mm. what else, but in terms of our discipline, I think we're benefiting greatly. Yeah from this um, Instagram culture. Mm -hmm. And um, Stephanie, uh, you, you told that you get clients through Instagram. And yeah. um, do you also notice that there is there is a smaller barrier between like what Kali says, because they already know you and they know your style, so it makes it easier for your design process? Or? Yeah, and I think it's also uh, because of the personal touch to it. I mean, I don't post so many images of my uh, surroundings uh, on on my work Instagram, um, but I think a person gets a feel of this person, or at least they think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's about it's it's more personal, and you can most of the time you can put a face on the person. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, for me Instagram became really important. Uh, I'm on it since 2013. And before I used Flickr and even before that, Photolog. I think Photolog for me was like the first, like... Never heard of that. Is it no? a Belgium thing? No, no, no. It was, it was, it was like Flickr. Maybe it was even, no, it's, it has nothing to do with Flickr. But it was something like Flickr, but much smaller. Right. And um, at that time, that was beginning 2000, I think, or mid, to the, mid yeah, like 2005 maybe. Um, and there were a lot of like uh, street artists on like graffiti and sticker art. Mm -hmm. And I was really into that. But then later on, like more photography and also graphic design. So my first, I think, website, I thought considered website was on Photolog or Flickr. Even MySpace, I think yeah, I yeah, put yeah. stuff on MySpace. Right. Uh, but Instagram became really important to me without being 
aware of it, but the last two years, I think 60% of the jobs that I get are through Instagram. Really? So it's powerful. Wow. Yeah. And I really like, like um, Simone said, like, I don't want to be dependent on it, but if this falls away, then, uh, yeah, then I lose a lot, I think. Yeah, it's so funny because um, earlier last year I interviewed Hansje and then we talked also about uh, influence and that you now more and more design for very small screens and that, you, that, that also changed your way of looking to your work for your clients. And um, is that the same for you? That, that you also notice that you, d you change your design so it works on this very small thumbnail? Um it's not like it does. No, it doesn't affect my brain like that. Mm -hmm. But I do notice that the last two years, everything that I design, even though the client doesn't ask for it, like I have this kind of template where I put the design in for Instagram. Mm -hmm. So every project folder has like a social folder in it mm -hmm. where I keep like all the posts that I want to uh, show. Right. Which is actually very strange to think about because huh? it's really handy. <laughs> well, a little example from my practice is uh, I started working for Lowlands and I thought, oh, festival, big. Um, I, I, I had the opportunity to make something very detailed and the clients liked it. And then the first thing that actually came out was for Instagram. And then I had to scale it down to this very small screen and only two letters fit. Um, so that was a big problem. And for a whole year, I had to fix the problem. So the second year, the first thing we did is we make something for Instagram. We, we post it to our phones and check, is it good? How's, how does it work on your phone? Okay, and then it works. And then you can build a whole identity on it. But before social media was this big, I used to print posters or make a dummy. Or mm. and, and now the proof, of the proof of the pudding is proof of the pudding. Yeah, is um, uh, to send it to your phone and see if it still right. works. So that's the other side yeah. of. But, do you, I, but I as a follow-up question, like for you, since you work for Lowlands, like you make a lot of animations, so do you also, or at least mm -hmm. that's what I see on yeah. Instagram mostly, um, do you also see that this is a shift? Like um, I think f last year um, Studio Flexion, Flexicon uh, from, yeah, from Switzerland, they're starting mm -hmm. animating all their posters, so now this is really a trend in in um, uh, in graphic design also and like and now with AR and I was wondering um, like if this also influenced you in your thinking and looking to your own uh, work. Yes, very much. It's, um, well, first I should explain that the way that I've designed always has to do with picking the right thickness or uh, so it, I always have a lot of options of variations and I, I have to freeze my, my design at some point. Mm. With using animation, you could take all these options and make them into uh, a moving image, mm. which is super interesting. Um, and I think in a way, uh, now I think, why only now are people working with animation? Because we've been on Facebook for the past 10 years. Um, uh, why hasn't that been such a big uh, thing before? Um, but uh, yeah, the thing is that it's very hard, uh, technical, uh, skill-wise. Like I've been living in, in Adobe Illustrator for years and now suddenly I want things to move and I don't know how. And uh, so it's start, uh, starting all over again. Mm. Um, so th that on a technical level, that, that's kind of holding me back. Uh, and uh, the animations I make, I, I get the chance to work with uh, Julian Hosse, for instance, who's a very great animator. 
so then I need expertise from other people. Um, but I would like, to, I would love to be able to experiment on a uh, moving image way as I'm able to experiment on a uh, static way. Right. So that's, that's, that's how you find out that you're getting old. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but um, it's just like software develops and then... But it's yeah, also but, but students now they just um, like they think that moving is is the norm. That's where you start, mm -hmm. and for for us it's like this extra thing, or for mm -hmm. me at least. Yeah. yeah. So um, um, about students, um, you all have teached or teach now at the moment, and um, um, do you know um, recognize what Hans is saying about that people only want to do like animation in their designs or what is what are things that um, students really um, yeah want to experiment with within graphic design or is there this general thing? Yeah, I don't know about the general thing, but I, what I what I noticed also that they really work really small scale now, and I don't know how how that was in our days, but. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I came to the this kind of how do you, how do you say that that uh, entrance uh, talk thing in the academy with super huge wooden painted things of Kurt Cobain. I mean, I'm, I I threw them away. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, yeah, but also a kind of tactility for material, like uh, attention for material. I didn't. I'm teaching first years in Arnhem, and um, I'm teaching typography, and we're actually talking about that a lot. Um, but I, I think that's something that they, I don't know, uh, are not super aware of. Or I, uh, yeah. Isn't it because everybody works on their laptop and their desks yeah, are really yeah, small? Yeah, I think People so. work yeah. at the uh, at the coffee company, and yeah. so they, the, uh, the workspace is so flexible that people yeah. don't have the material uh, they need. Yeah. Uh, or they need to make bigger things. Like yeah. yeah, plus I think it's really, t like you have to be a bit more tough to come in a classroom with a really big sheet that you filled. I mean, it's literally li taking more mm -hmm. space. I guess that's for students like a bit, uh, in yeah. the beginning, maybe a bit scary. But in a way it sounds it's logical, as what I was saying, that uh, I, was, I was making big stuff and then I have to test it on yeah. my phone. Yeah. The, the phone is very much a reality for yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, to make bigger things is just, yeah, then you make something big and you take a picture of it and you post it on Instagram. Why make it big? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's how I would think as a student, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I think so. Um, Kali, how is that in for um, at Otis? Is that different or is it. Yeah. I, I, I hear that question and I think of it in different ways. I think um, our students enter school still not really understanding the possibility of or what graphic design is or what mm. it could be. Mm. Uh, I also think about our responsibility as educators to introduce them to be incredibly facile and cross platforms, you know, in all kinds of media, but most of all to have them ask themselves where are they, what's the language in which they want to want to speak, mm. and for us to throw them as much opportunity so that they're dealing with alternative forms of production and making so they feel very fluid in um, creating output with, con you know, hopefully it starts with strong conceptual mm. ideas. So uh, our students learn um, everything from print to moving image, but I 
there was something else I wanted to say about that, which was, um, I forgot. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. So maybe I can um, ask if, um, like, is the approach to, that, that you teach the approach to, Oh, like this is, I remembered. Okay, good. <laughs> this is kind of important, so uh, I think it's important. Well, when I was taught to be a graphic designer, I was taught how to think and what to make. I was taught what was good and what was not good. I was never taught to think. I was never taught to question. I was never taught to be critical. Mm. And I think that a good academic in environment is one that really pauses and looks at the world through the lens of the students in the environment. Like the question that, Han or the comment that Hancha just made, which is, you know, how are these students seeing the world? Mm. You know, is it what makes sense today in terms of teaching typography? Mm. Is it logical to teach it the way it was taught 40 years ago? Mm. What really, you know, what's the most um, interesting for them? And also from an educator's point of view, we have a lot to learn. Um, I'll tell you, like, one of the things that came to mind right away is we have a problem with students, and I want to be careful I shouldn't say problem. We have um, an interesting thing happening. Uh, it's really hard to go through a whole class not on your phone. Hmm. It's really hard to uh, have a conversation with students or a lecture and for people to not be tapping into Instagram because I, I admit I'm an addict, so it's really hard to stay off, and yet, I think that there are some really important skills that everyone should be mindful of, which is human communication. Mm -hmm. So can I stay off the phone long enough to actually sit and listen and look you in the eye and talk to you? And mm -hmm. so that's also something that right. we need to and is consider. And also that you um, teach them in another way, um, like to think about the project, like on forehand, like because, in, uh, because of the master or Oh, yeah. Like that did so a lot of things I just said was undergraduate related. No, so no, no. I'm now we're going to the okay. No, no. So different question. Yeah. Um, so um, what I was wondering is um, if like through social media or through every through like um, being on, on all the what? Oh, on all the platforms. <laughs> so okay, thanks, Anja. Um That you also teach um, your students like other way of thinking, like, uh, I don't know, if, if it's changed like before social platforms and now, that, um, do you understand what I'm trying to ask? Okay. Um, I understand what you're asking yeah. and I'm trying to think of what we do. Right. I actually think that we do not have students who enter our graduate program where social media is not a part of their everyday. So, um, what we what we're focusing in on is uh, what's the, what, what role do they, who do they want to be in the world and how do we help them get there? Right. And um, and also to be honest, the responsibility that they have as a communicator and an image generator, and how they want to be seen and how they want to hopefully make some impact in the world, mm -hmm. and that's through social media and that's through one-on-one -on -one contact and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the responsibility of, like, of the of a designer. Yes, I think. I think. Yeah. yeah when when uh, we, this year with the introduction at Artes, the head of the school, head of the graphic design department, Thomas Castro, they said to all the starting students, be be aware that you're now uh, turning from media consumers into media makers. Mm -hmm. right. And I thought it was a really uh, 
yeah, really on point thing to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, that's what we are now, media makers. Yeah. And also it's very, I just want to say, even as you, it's such a different time. I, I think like if anybody's on their phone tonight, the truth is that you could be researching. I mean, this is the great advantage of this, that, you know, we could be mentioning something or referencing something and it's not familiar to somebody, but then they can get on their phone and within seconds they can familiarize themselves with what's being discussed and they can jump in and, and understand things and ways and this is something that was never possible to me mm -hmm. as a student it's very new and it's and uh, I think it's really pretty awesome that we have that now yeah so you can um, educate yourself in a very in, a, in seconds yeah like a really good example is you know I'm not real I mean I don't know how people in the audience I don't know if you knew everybody here but you could have like with right no so in like five minutes, you can go to Instagram accounts and you can like, oh, okay, no, I don't really like her work. Okay, who, what is she doing? And then, oh, that I really like, you know, but the point is, is within Please seconds. Please don't do that, no. Huh, what? <laughs> but you know, that's such a great thing, right? Now you get to experience what we're doing in a very different way. And also the sense of like, oh, I'm not in the know, I'm not smart enough, I don't understand. And now like, no, you're part of it, you know? And yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's a, it's really co in a convenient and a helpful way, so you can really. Yeah, it's uh, new research. It's legitimate right. research. Right. Yeah. Right. I agree, but at the same time, they, um, not everyone, but some of them become a bit lazy because everything is there within a second. Right. While also when I was studying, there was no internet. <laughs> And so, like, you had to go to the library, and you had to really look, and you, your brain had to work differently. So that's a little bit of a, like, uh, yeah. yeah. It's good to know that that if you if you have a Netflix account, that not all documentaries that you can watch are on Netflix. But I because I really that sounds really, but I really have sometimes maybe students. That the world, the, their world becomes so small. I mean, yeah, and yeah. be aware also of this Pinterest, and they, you know, be aware of also this Pinterest. I mean, I don't really like, uh, or we don't really use it, but um, also this lack of references and this lack of context of that. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's an important thing to also make students aware of, mm -hmm. because. Yeah. But it's it's. I think I can imagine it's really tough because if you are being born into this time. You know, and for example, Netflix is there, but there's no one around you that tells you like, yeah, but you know, there's other documentaries. Just because of that kind of laziness that is being created now, like they maybe won't go looking for it like immediately because they just, I don't know. Well, it's tough the other to say, thing is I was just commenting tonight that the most, uh, how many of you have seen this exhibition at the Stedelijk, the Magic Land? What, what is the name of the exhibition? No, the other one, the Not Mac the Metahaven, the Magic yeah. Land. It was the Okay, you have to go see this exhibition. It's unbelievable, and it's the work that was generated in the 60s when there was a lot of political unrest in Holland. Mm -hmm. And the materials that are generated as the result of people needing to voice their interests and concerns, it's so powerful and very specific to that time. So the work that was generated speaks to a social, political, economic time. Right. What happens sometimes with Instagram, which I find problematic, is now we have people 
creating the same kind of formal visual language, uh, and yet they're living in very different worlds, they're from very different backgrounds, and yet there's, they're similar in these ways, and there's a hesitation to embrace a visual language that suits them. And I have to be honest and say that a lot of the work in Los Angeles does often set itself apart and I think to myself, well, wait a minute, it really doesn't look like the work that's coming out of Belgium or, or Yale graduate, you know, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And I think, oh, is that really wrong? And I have to take a moment and say, no, I have, these students come from very different communities where they, um, they have different things to say and different forms to make, and that ha that's important. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the social media has uh, unified um, right. graphic design and that's, that's something that... Makes it more international. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But still you have to... Like what I often try to do is um, to start following people that I totally don't know, but they come in the, in the search yeah. up, and then I start following them so that I get um, different experience from... Uh, Different, uh, from different countries and from different people. So I follow like a um, um, Muslim uh, hip hop singer from New York, which she's like, she's super great. And then some other artists that I, from Africa and stuff like that. So then that, that you really get a, like a global influence. Um, yeah, and that's, that's what yeah, I really that's like. That's a very positive thing because it's an algorithm also created for right. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. But it's still, yeah. but still, I can pick one and then yeah. start following. So, yeah, yeah. So um, I want to go to the next um, topic, and that's um, uh, public speaking. What we, uh, um, um, because um, you all talked in uh, Berlin, and um, that's one of the reasons why we are together. And um, you had a great experience there all, and it was a lot of fun, what I saw on, the, on social. And, um, <laughs> it wasn't fun at all, oh. I just showed it. Ah, okay. Um, but um, uh, Kali, you um, curated um, the typo talent, and, um, uh, which were a lot of interesting uh, other graphic designers from um, all around the world, from Canada and from, uh, well, I don't know, actually. But... Um, can you tell how you how you created and why you um, selected so them? So I'll fill people in. Do a lot of people know about this big conference called Typo Berlin? It's huge and it's expensive, and um, and I, I facilitate sometimes and introduce speakers. And I really wanted to bring studios that not a lot of people. Uh, may have known, but I knew we're doing interesting things and different kind of new kind of things, and so they gave me the opportunity to curate something which they ended up calling typo talents. So that's the background, and I wanted to bring people together, and I was so lucky because I sent out eight invitations to these studios, and within an hour I received eight yeses, and they came again from all over, and the charge was to basically take 20 minutes on stage and tell us about your practice. So we heard from Team Thursday and Stephanie and a group of others, including people who do really politically active work in Ghent and all over, um, a woman who does, who curates food as a user experience designer and is branching off into um, like kind of a situationist practice. 
and, and I was hoping we'd get the main stage. We did not get the main stage. We got the corner, sort of the under the, under the stairs stage. Uh, but there was standing room only. And, the, and the, the people who run the conference acknowledged that it was one of the real highlights of the conference. And I think this is common, the stuff that's sort of uh, the subculture uh, was really refreshing for everybody. And it was, uh, I think, a great joy. And, and what I loved to see is, you know, what you're seeing here tonight, our friendships are developed um, as the result of meeting at mm -hmm. those conferences. Right. And um, 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 Stephanie, can you tell um, how you, how did you prepare for for like if you have a present uh, like a um, give a lecture or have students over in your studio? Um, I think I'm always preparing like way ahead, but then I change it a couple of hours before. Mm -hmm. But with the Berlin. Uh, uh, typo talk was really uh, funny because my flight got cancelled and um, and I so I wasn't ready at all because I was planning on changing everything again and then in the end I had to take a train from Antwerp to Berlin and it was like a, a stop train <laughs> so it took me I think I don't know like nine no, not nine, but long seven hours maybe mm -hmm. so I prepared a lecture on the train <laughs> and um, I shared, it was like an old uh, train with those uh, separate boxes where you mm -hmm. sit in. And there were like five other people sitting next to me and there was no Wi-Fi, there was no air conditioning. And so just everyone was like talking to each other. And then in the end, I kind of like gave my presentation <laughs> in the train. <laughs> and like they were, yeah, they were giving me advice even though they were not designers at all, but it was kind of nice. That was quite special. But most of the time, I make something, I think like, yeah, this is really good, like a week before, mm. and then the day before I have to talk, or even a couple of hours before, like, I change everything, mm. and, uh, yeah, I don't really have a, a routine. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, yeah. and Anja, how does it work for you? Well, the, f the first time I gave a talk for a big audience um, was when a teacher of mine introduced me, and uh, my plan was to do a video recording of my books, Mm -hmm. And then two hours, like the morning before the lecture, they said, uh, the thing with the video is not going to work. You just have to take pictures. I did not have any pictures. So I, for four hours, I, I made pictures of uh, all my work and just put them in chronological order. And the first time I saw it was in front of a big, like, big audience. And I wanted to die when I was there. Mm -hmm. um, so what I did was I went home filled with shame and, uh, and regret. I... Um, corrected my presentation on what I should have said and what mm -hmm. I should have shown. And that's kind of been the system ever since that moment that uh, every time I have a, uh, a presentation, or I, I gave a presentation, then I come home after it and I repair what I thought was not good enough. Mm -hmm. And then for the, the next time, um, sometimes I add some new projects, but that's kind of the core. And that's been like an estafeta uh, right. principle that I always do the correction rounds after the the big tryout in front of the public. Actually, so. That's very smart. It's hmm? very smart. It works, it works, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because otherwise it's just like you're relieved that you've you're done your presentation and you go back to work and you forget about it, but you take like a no, moment No, it keeps hurting, to, so I need to right. fix it, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. And how does it work for you? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We, we are never prepared. <laughs> no, we, yeah, of course we're with two, so we always have to think a little bit about who is gonna talk. 
or we have to, t I mean, that's something we, we sometimes talk about, like, okay, how are we going to present the project? And sometimes also with some projects, we have some kind of jokes that we just make all the time because we feel comfortable <laughs> yeah, and with them. Right. And then we say, I'm tired of each other. Like you oh. can make the jokes and then next time I feel more fresh so I can make the jokes. Right. Um, but we also have this kind of core file that we just uh, change a bit. Um, also according to the kind of the public or... Uh, Public yeah, and then yeah. there is these times that we think like, oh, we should really do something else. This time we should really do something else, and then we think about it, and then we talk about it. But then we, uh, I think we don't do it, and then we just have our presentation. That yeah, for, feels for nice Typo Berlin, we thought, oh, we're gonna make a presentation from our desktop, just putting all the all the really we really make trials for that, just putting all the images on the desktop and talk from the talk from there and then we thought ah maybe it's a little bit too forced and then yeah. we were there and there were other people doing it actually yeah. it looked really nice so maybe but we should try that next time yeah they really had the show but we can have that too yeah mm. and how does it work for you Kai? um i i'm actually glad that you brought the question to me um because of something we talked earlier which is when you come to a lecture chances are you've seen the work if you've gone online so about four years ago, I started doing different kinds of lectures. So the lectures are more um, interactive with the audience. So often the audience will leave with something or they interact with each other. Or um, one of my favorites was I went to um, my alma mater as an invited guest back and I liquidated my 20 year collection of graphic design items. Um, and so I did a complete happening. So people came expecting a talk and they actually left with these prized possessions. And actually some of it I think really was worth a lot on eBay, but I let it go because if you give it to the universe, good things come back. Right. Um, but that's really interesting to me. Mm. I, I want to create something that's, that speaks to the power of, you know, yeah. giving and yeah, and, and making it interesting and not just sort of a teacher, student, or a lecturer, participant. Mm -hmm. I, I want to engage the audience. I want to like, I don't know, uh, I think that's a new way of thinking about right. speaking. So it, it, it influences you a lot in your way of thinking and in, in, um, in how you run your design practice or like lead the, the yeah. Of yeah, yeah. So, school. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, yeah, and the other thing is I became less interested in showing work because there's always, there'll be people who like it and there'll be people who don't like it. I mean, that's just normal. Mm -hmm. um, but I would, this is maybe really a lot of ego, but I want people to leave saying, you know, I learned, I learned something, or actually this is just, a, if anybody's interested in this bit, people love free things, it turns out. Like free goes a long way. Mm -hmm. So if you can make things or give things away, happy, happy, happy. Right. And that's really <laughs> nice. Um, yes. Wow. Uh, and and but I, I was also wondering because like um, when you give lectures, it also give a kind of um, uh, prestige, but I also was um, wondering if you do the lectures, how does it influence your studio? Or does it influence your studio work? Like having uh, side projects or um, do other happenings? Is that Hansje? Um, the last few years I've been working more for a public space projects. 
um, things that are not that I cannot make a, a test print or put it on Instagram because it has to be manufactured and uh, laser cut and big things. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I'm uh, what I realized that is a very similar thing to what I do when I give a lecture is I just make a talk uh, to the client which is like a hundred slides which is get getting them through the whole process of uh, designing, sketching, visiting the uh, manufacturer uh, and um, uh, I think three weeks ago I gave this talk which was like a hundred slides so I prepare them like it's, a, it's like 10 or 15 people that I have to talk to to convince that my plan or that I'm going the right direction that's more mm -hmm. the, the case and then at the end of the, the, the thing, I thought, okay, this is what I learned from giving lectures. I'm just building a story, um, using images, and um, uh, yeah, sh uh, convincing them without showing them this is exactly what the end project is going to look like, mm -hmm. because I'm not capable of showing that yet. Mm -hmm. um, but th that's what I learned from um, giving lectures. Mm -hmm. So that becomes very handy for me. Right. So you uh, are also more uh, maybe um, get confidence or more, com uh, yeah. Get more self-taught. Well, my biggest fear when I give a lecture or I give a presentation for clients is that I'm finished within four seconds because I talk very fast and uh, mm. I just want to jump to the conclusion. Mm. But I learned that if I have a hundred slides, I at least talk for twenty minutes, and that's kind of what what is wanted. Mm -hmm. But that's all the skills that I learned from um, telling a story and 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 having slides to uh, to build a visual story. So mm -hmm. that's how it worked for me. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Uh, for me, it's it, um, it's good to analyze myself because I I work quite <laughs> intuitively, and I can always explain like what I'm doing to the client. But if you have to explain it to an audience, like you think more, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's different. Uh, and when I'm making a presentation, then yeah, just I I analyze myself in a different way. So that right. comes in handy for someone who's working like me. Right. Can I answer that from a perspective of somebody who hears a lot of talks? I think that the most uh, interesting talks are the ones where people are willing to take risks, be vulnerable, and show their humanness. The people who tell personal stories, uh, tell actually stories of failure. Um, I think that's, <laughs> Is yeah. your phone going? <laughs> Very personal I call. actually intentionally turned it off, but it didn't. Um, I guess not. Okay. Anyway. Please continue. Or now you are done. Okay. Oh, it's a shoe on you. Simone, like a couple of days ago, you emailed me uh, a question. If I knew um, colleagues of you who run our own studio and um, uh, female graphic designers, who, if I could help you with um, collecting. A, list of um, female designers who run a studio in Holland. And um, I said, can you tell me more? And then you said, yeah, I will tell you Thursday, so please. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, we're working on, well, so we spent last, last year in 2017, we spent five months in Korea, in Seoul. How, did, how did you arrange that? Sorry. What? How did you arrange that? Um, we uh, got a kind of there, the Stimuleringsfonds had an open okay. call for it. So you got a grant. Yeah, you got artist a grant. Residency. Oh, okay. And so I was there for five months, and you were there for two months. Um, and there, I became really aware of the fact that we are two female designers, actually. Mm -hmm. 
which maybe sounds a little bit weird, but we never, we never started the studio being super aware of that. We just thought, okay, we're gonna complement each other um, mm. in ways of working. Um, and there in, in, in Seoul, I was talking to many people who said that it's really hard to work for yourself as a, graphic, as a female graphic designer or as an artist. Um, and they, they were t telling me about this book that um, yeah, people who've become friends now, they recently published a, a book. Um, it's 6699 Press who published a book um, about 11 interviews by female designers with other female designers who they mm -hmm. invited. And this book was a, really a catalyst for a lot of things that were happening. Like in my first week when I was there, I went to this uh, uh, conference, woo, woo, woo. I can still, I still can't really pronounce it, ooh, but yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, I promised, I promised Hanji that I would sing, so this, this was it. Um, but um, I went there and like my mistake, I thought it would be in English, but it was in Korean, so I started just looking at the images and I couldn't understand the thing. But I uh, met also many designers there mm -hmm. and that, that was a conference also with only female speakers and we just were talking about the fact that it's so important there to have also people that, mm -hmm. I mean, to have kind of role models, models in that way. Right. Um, so we were talking, we, I was just asking them about this book and if I could get a transcript from it or something or if I could translate it and they, then they asked us if we could make a second version out of it, of interviews from Korean designers with uh, Dutch designers, actually. Mm -hmm. And maybe later we can expand that into a, yeah, mm -hmm. another series of interviews. So that was quite nice for that to, yeah, we're still working on that list okay. because we always, th then we come up with names and we think, oh, of course, why isn't she on there? Um, and is, there, is this uh, like, uh, can everybody uh, enter, send you an email and, uh, hey, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be on the list, or is it? Uh, <laughs> do you uh, no. democratize it? No, no? <laughs> no. People can. List. No, people, why not? I mean, this list can be as long as possible. Right. Please, yeah. yeah. But uh, and we want want it to be as uh, how do you say it complete as possible. But from that list, we somehow there have to emerge uh, twelve of uh, eleven designers right. that work for themselves. Mm -hmm. So not work in the company, right? Um, and then they will pick the Korean designers to to interview them. Mm. And it's also nice to see like how uh, that it's maybe also designers that do somehow a little bit different things or that have different generate that are from def different generations mm. or that uh, have different context of work. Yeah, for instance, they were also really talking about the like there. Not many people have children. Mm. Um, and then I, I also talked to some people about it, that there, there it's, it's more, if you have children there, then the situation can change really a lot. Mm -hmm. Like here, obviously, too, but there are even more. So the, also these topics. Right. Yeah, and it's funny that when we were there, we also spoke to some teachers who were teaching at the Seoul uh, art schools. And they were also talking about uh, that, like, there is not so many uh, female designers who start like their own studios, mm -hmm. but they, most of the time they, they work as couples. So they have a relationship also. And then but this is really generate. I don't know if this is yeah, yeah, this maybe too yeah. going too far, but okay. uh, yeah, that's um, 
most of the time it's like a man and a woman running a studio together. Yeah, but it's also because they have the example of Silky and Min. So yeah. they kind of no, people told us that they kind Singapore of they saw there are that also and a lot of uh, male female couples that are yeah. But they but saw this as a kind of example. So mm -hmm. we also heard some stories that sometimes young people are really spotting like the right person to have All everything with. with, like ah, a love okay. affair, a graphic design studio, right, everything. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Cool. And um, when is it coming out? Or you don't know yet? Next, somewhere next year. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And it's a for a client or pri personal project? Yes. Yeah, then kind of personal as a co okay. collaboration with them. Okay, cool. Um, so at the end, at the end of all my uh, interviews, coming together with um, with people, um, I ask about uh, Neon Five, which is um, a single recommendation in a, um, a category. And uh, I want to start with uh, you, Heintje. Um, can you recommend a movie? It's totally out of. I think everybody should go see Mandy. Mandy? That's, well, I saw it two or three weeks ago at the cinema with, um, what's his name? Nicolas Cage. It's a psychedelic horror. Uh, I don't like either of those genres, but uh, this was like the, the best graduation project I've ever seen. It's just a, f a film that I thought this cannot be in the cinema. It's super good. Go see it. Okay, cool. Um, Kali, a book? Um, there's an author. Her name is Roxanne Gay, and in the spirit of the female um, theme tonight, women here tonight, uh, there's a book she just wrote called a difficult, um, difficult Woman, Difficult Women, plural, Difficult Women, a series of short pieces. Has anybody read that? It's written, it's unbelievable, so that's the book I'd recommend. Mm -hmm. um, and Luce? Um, can you recommend, uh, uh, is there a person uh, who you would recommend? Or <laughs> a, person. a person? Yeah, I also, I, that's a, the most crazy category I know, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like somebody, somebody in your life that you like influence you. Or what is <laughs> Just in general? General, a, yeah. Or a person. For you personally. Oh yes, my dad. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. He is. Yeah, we just had a family meeting yesterday evening, so I was totally inspired again. I was telling you about it today. Yeah, he's. Um, we sometimes talk with him about our studio, mm -hmm. and he is like totally not in the graphic design field, but, or in design fields, or art, or whatever, not mm -hmm. at all. So he works in uh, woodworking, and he he has his own company, uh, like he makes stairs and and that kind of thing but he's such a he's really a good businessman and then when we talk with him he gives us really good tips like uh like yesterday he was telling to me like uh, okay yeah that's really nice these cultural project but um uh yeah uh you you just you can also do your th uh, your project because you have so much experience now and you're really good at what you do uh so maybe you should do it a little bit quicker and then you have less hours to write, and then you can uh, earn yeah. the same amount of money. So, but no, I mean that's that's one tip. But he uh, he has this really great energy uh, in his work and in his uh, mentality. So right. that's uh, really nice to see. Okay, great. <laughs> um, Stephanie, uh, Stephanie, uh, food. Oh, 
Food. Which food, food would you recommend? Um, passion fruit. Sorry? Uh, passion fruit? Yeah. Oh, passive. <laughs> passive fruit. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How would you say it in English? Uh, passion fruit. Yeah. 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 Uh, because of the the yeah the the smell, it has the same effect as bergamot. It's like very calming. Mm -hmm. Uh, but actually, also, it's very good for your nervous system. So if you eat a lot from it, it calms you down. Oh, so your it studio really is... Works. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I actually you, you, prefer bergamot, but huh? I prefer bergamot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the, alco uh, the alcoholic version. <laughs> <laughs> um, Simone, uh, music? Music? Yeah. Uh, in the studio, we're listening now a lot to Anderson Pack. Do you really? know him? No. Yeah, that's that's really yeah. We always have this some music that we just listen to on and on and on, and then afterwards it really reminds me of this certain period. Yeah. But it's this kind of jazz, electronic, so not really yeah, yeah kind of music. Yeah, so I, I think he's quite well known. So probably so people will know. Did you develop this taste of music while working together in the studio, or did you already figure out that you had? Yeah, we really we listen to a lot of hip hop, and we both don't know any other people who like hip hop. So we're kind of yes, yes. <laughs> so we're kind of we're kind of uh, uh, using this to the extreme when we're together, which is a lot. Yeah. Uh, so and it's mostly we're playing it's like a lot really of hip hop, really good working music. Right. Yeah. Cool. And um, let's um, round up with a very quick round that you say your Instagram account <laughs> because that everybody can follow you. That's good. So we're And phone yeah, number? Sure. <laughs> phone number also. Yeah, please. Do it. Then you can start a WhatsApp group and then you can get all kinds of crazy stuff. So my Instagram account is Spectstudio. Spectstudio? Spectstudio, yeah. And you're now live broadcasting live, yes, right? Yes, right there. Right. <laughs> well, for me, it's just Hansje van Halen. No like spaces. everything, like HF, everything's yeah. Hansje van Halen. Everywhere, yeah. Cool. I'm the only one. Ah. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's just Team Thursday. And my phone number is uh, 062631980. Um, I, I, I'm just um, Kay Nikitas, but I, I, if you allow me to just yeah. say this, it means a lot to me that you came out tonight, and especially right. to the young people who are here. Um, it, it's really a powerful thing to see people who are wanting to hear what's happening. The future is really, like we need you now more than ever. Um, design, it's such an exciting time. Um, I actually have a former student in the audience and it's really, um, I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. And Thank you. Uh, hey, Michael. Hi, it's Thomas. Neil Marais also has a newsletter called Neil Monthly. So if you want to be the first to know about the shows, please sign up via neilmarais.com slash subscribe. You can also follow the show on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Neil Marais. And if you have time, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps others to find out about the show. Thanks for listening.